This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. Welcome, welcome to episode 129. This is Adam. Hey, 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 that's supposed to be my job, Steve. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought I did a pretty good job with it. That was a phenomenal job, Steve. But yes, welcome everybody to episode 129 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Diane. I'm Sammy. <laughs> wow, talk over one another. Can we not get this intro down? <laughs> it was hard because Steve threw us off, so me and Sammy sort of switched places and... Okay, okay, so how about just, and Steve, and then we can go on with the episode. And Steve. All right. Thank you, guys. I'm glad we managed to get through that. That was really hard. That was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're glad to be here this week with you guys. For all of you that showed up out there, thank you for joining us for this discussion. We've got a great discussion planned for you. We're going to be talking about Taylor's impact on other people's careers because, well, we talk about Taylor all the time. Now we can talk about other people sort of related to Taylor. It'll It'll be fun. But first, Diane's going to give us some news. Alrighty. On April 12th, Ed Sheeran was the musical guest on SNL. With Taylor staying at her new home in, in, in New York City, we, as- we assumed she would be attending backstage, as she did for Lena Dunham. A few hours before the show, Star Magazine tweeted that she would be making a special appearance during the show. People were speculating that she would be performing Everything Has Changed with Ed Sheeran, but instead she surprised us all and made a cameo during host Seth Rogen's opening monologue. On on SNL was trending a few hours prior, so hopefully the SNL writers and producers get the hint and invite Taylor back as a host or a musical guest when Album 5 comes out. Cool. So did you guys watch the video of that? Yeah. I was watching it live. I recorded the video. Oh, did you? <laughs> Like, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if um, Taylor's appearance was actually planned part of that script, like, originally. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, well, I, I read so. that Ed had asked the producers to have Taylor be involved somehow. So I think she had been involved somewhere during the week. That it wasn't just the, like, oh, hey, I'm here, let's throw me into it kind of mm-hmm. thing. Well, either way, it was brief, and it was funny, and... It almost follows this. I don't know if this is a recent Taylor thing because I don't remember her doing it before that ACM video, but making fun of herself. Yeah. <laughs> because. Yeah, there is there's a meme going around. I'll see if I can try and find it where she's just like it's just little photos of her making fun of herself. It's really funny. It is funny because I mean, for those who didn't get a chance to watch, basically what it was, Taylor just had a one liner where Seth Rogen is having these uh, issues as part of his script. And she she comes in and is like. What was it? She said... Um, She's like, whenever guys feel strong emotions, I appear. Yeah, whenever a man feels a strong emotion, I appear. It was pretty so funny. So it was sort of taking a jab at herself based on kind of what the media portrays her as. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. So thank you for the news, Diane. Sammy, on behalf of your organization, T-Swift on Tour, would you mind giving us the tour updates? And I guess the calendar also. We'll wrap we them all together. We don't have any tour updates this <gasps> oh, week. Oh, Sammy. No, nothing, nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. All the shows are on sold out or on sale, and she didn't add any more shows, and I got nothing. Well, in that case, what she got coming up on the calendar? We'll pretend that this is the T-Swift on Tour segment for the week. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. The first ever iHeartRadio Music Awards were, will air live 
from L.A. from the Shine Auditorium on May 1st on NBC. Taylor is nominated with Tim McGraw and Keith, Keith Urban in the country song category for Highway Don't Care, and Swifties are nominated for Fan Army. You can vote at iHeart.com slash vote. And Taylor was also nominated for two Billboard Music Awards this past week. Taylor is nominated for Top Country Artist and Top Social Artist. The Billboard Awards are on May 18th at 8, 7 Central on ABC from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. I'm surprised she only got two nominations. I am, but I'm not because she doesn't have any new music this year. So, like, last year she got, like, what, eight awards? Right. Like, and I'm sure next year they'll be really kind to her again. But there's really nothing... The only one that I was surprised for was that she didn't get nominated for Top Touring Artist. Right. And her tour was the biggest tour of the whole year. Like, I don't understand that at all. That part's very strange. You're right. It's Ooh. so weird. I believe it was the highest grossing tour also. Yeah. Like, it was like $131 million or something like that. Like, that is a lot of money. Yes. But she didn't get nominated for Top Touring Artist. I don't really understand that. But anyways. Yeah, but you know, you know how we feel about award shows here on Taylor Talk, Sammy. <laughs> they're all rigged. They totally. Unless Taylor wins every single award, they're all rigged. Yeah, so like last Billboard Awards, they were great. This Billboard Awards, they're rigged. They're rigged. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you for the uh, calendar, Sammy. Remember, guys, if you're on Twitter, go follow T-Swift on tour. If you're not on Twitter, create a Twitter account and go follow T-Swift on tour. <laughs> And oh, like us too, Taylor Talk 13. <laughs> Had to give ourselves a plug too while we were plugging you, Sam. Oh, come on. No, I know. I'm sorry I stole some of your spotlight on that one. Stole my thunder. All right. Let's get on to our main discussion for the episode, which is, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, Taylor's influence on other artists. She's had a wide variety of artists open for her. So those are kind of the ones we're going to sort of target here and figure out how Taylor has influenced it, whether or not she's impacted their success, how she's impacted their success, whether or not her or Taylor has anything to do with their success, whatever the case may be. So should we start recent and go old, or should we start old and move forward? Uh, Why don't we start old and move forward? That's what that I was going to say. I like sense. that idea, too. So dating back to the Fearless Tour, you had Kelly Pickler and Gloriana open for Taylor. Both of them big acts in the country scene, but not really mainstream. Mm-mm. No, not it, it's it's kind of weird because I feel like these groups have been around for a long time, but they just haven't quite pushed to the fame that, you know, they, they're, they're just kind of there, but they're not like super, super big. And they definitely, they each have their own fan base. Like, we're not by any means saying that they're nobodies because, right. you know, they're both still on tour. Gloriana is going on tour with Rascal Flatts. Kelly Pickler is going on, I think she was on tour with um, Toby Keith recently. Um, like, they're both sustaining a career. But as far as artists that have toured with her more recently, they're definitely the more of the lesser they're not as big. known ones now. Yeah, they're not. But and Gloriana has had their fair share of whatever. You know, they've they had four members and now they only have three and they're still making music. I think they had a new album come out last year. Um and their their song what's the name of that song? Is it like Kiss You Goodnight or something? Yeah, Kiss You Goodnight is like that was a big song on the country the country charts. Yeah, definitely. No but Oh, sorry, not were you not talking? No, it's okay. I didn't really have anywhere else I was going with that. Okay, no, <laughs> I was just going to say, with moving to Kelly Pickler, I find something interesting her is she started at the same place as Taylor, roughly the same time. They were both openers, 
and then Kelly became an opener for Taylor. Taylor like propelled him the stratosphere, and Kelly is still kind of. Yeah, and Kelly was was on American Idol. For those who don't know, I, she didn't win that year, but she was in the top twenty, definitely, if mm-hmm. not top ten. Um, Who's got a car driving by? I do. <laughs> Sammy, that's what we get from Sorry, our, our local New Yorker. You know, on the I can't show. change people driving by with a motorcycle, but um, nice. yeah, they were both relatively at the same place in their careers, and then Taylor skyrocketed, and Kelly didn't. Yeah, well, and, and then with regards to this conversation on whether whether or not Taylor has affected them and their level of fame, I'd say in the Fearless Opener's case, not so much. Yeah. yeah, I know. I because I don't know do if I don't know if Taylor was necessarily big enough at that point to really have a profound effect on the other yeah. artists I opening think she for just, her. She wanted to have, and she does consistently like having this smaller country acts opening for her to maintain that country, you know, country ticket roots. platform. Um, but they're also they were friends of hers, and they I think they still are friends. I mean, people can you know sit here and argue till they're blue in the face about whether she still has a relationship with Kelly Pickler or not. Um, but at the time, she wanted them on tour because they were friends. That's and fair. that was that that was I think pretty much the end of it. Right. So moving forward to speak now. Mm-hmm. There I are think, a lot of people. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of people. Like that, she had more people open up for her on Speak Now than I think the other two tours combined. Yep. And there's a handful that I'm not even familiar with at all. You got Randy Montana, Danny Gokey. Danny Jay- Gokey, I want to say, was on American Idol too. He was. He? Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she. What is with Taylor and American, American Idol. Idols? <laughs> I don't know. Like on Red, I mean, she I had Casey feel, James. I wasn't feel like he? If, yeah, he was. If uh, Lauren Elena hadn't hadn't had the have the career that she had that she would have opened for her too but i think by the time that red came out lauren elena was too big mm-hmm. now she probably could but well either way some of these some of these other artists these small artists that i haven't really heard of other than nope. the fact that they opened for taylor but even and i even don't think that, at the time not... they were very popular either i mean josh kelly to my knowledge is married to Catherine heigl i think that that's his claim to fame the extent um, of his well career. his, his <laughs> brother's the famous Day. one. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. Steve, would you like to enlighten us and share who his brother is, just so anyone listening may? Uh, Charles Kelly. Charles Kelly. Lady, Lady mm. Antebellum. The good-looking man that Charles <laughs> Kelly is, yes. <laughs> so here's the question then. By Speak Now, Taylor was significantly larger in whatever, fame. Popularity, popularity, fame. So why are a handful of these? Because then the other, the flip side of Speak Now is you have hunter hayes who blew up into the stratosphere also so why are some of these artists like unheard of and still unknown well i don't think that has to do with taylor though i think that's just because like she gave them the the chance to to to, like go out there and show their talent and some people were grabbed and some people just weren't you know like yeah they had the hit song well here's that worked here's the thing here's the thing with hunter is I think what Taylor does, and I was throwing that question out to be devil's advocate. I have my own personal opinions on on the matter as well. And my personal opinion is that Taylor opens the door for them. Mm-hmm. They have to walk through it. Exactly. Yeah. And Hunter is really the one person that opened for her, even more so than Need to Breathe, who was on the entire tour. Hunter's the one that took advantage. I was fortunate enough to see Hunter open for Taylor at Cleveland, her Cleveland show on the Speak Now Me tour. Me too. Yeah, Steve was at the same tour, and we didn't even know each other yet. (laughs) Um, But anyway, something unique Hunter did that I've yet to see one of her openers do is they had some 
texting system. My mind's a little fuzzy on it because it was a couple years ago, but some sort of texting system where you could text your seat number, and after Hunter played his set, he would actually visit those people he at their seat. Oriana had something that? similar to that, too, in that after their set, they would say, we're going to be in section blah, 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 come to bring we'll call we'll sign your cds like they had a meet and greet kind well, of but that's, so that's sammy different. a lot of people have meet and greets hunter actually had people text in where their seat was or tweet whatever the system was and he actually came to them he went around and visited do we know anybody that that actually occurred do i know anyone that did it yeah no that, that I, I don't one. know anyone personally why didn't you that's text the number i would have texted it just to see what would happen me too. I guess I don't remember if I tried or not. And I bet now you wish you did. I did because, <laughs> I mean, Hunter, I've watched grow since Taylor. Like, I remember when he opened yeah. for her. I was with a, a friend of mine, and we're just like, who is this little guy? And because uh, I think at the time he was, what, like 17? Yeah, he mm-hmm. was very young. Like, he was a kid. And so we're like, who is this guy? And w- he started playing. And we're like, yeah, he's, pr- he's pretty good. So I went on Twitter, started following him. He had about 10,000 followers at the oh, time. Man. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> and then, like, a year later, I'm just like, wow, Hunter's getting really big. I check, and he's up to, like, half a million followers. <laughs> and now if you check, he's like, he's right at a million followers, just short yeah. of it. So, um, yeah. I mean, Hunter is huge. Yeah, Hunter's very huge. He's but you, But you have to have that song, though. Because there's a couple other people on that list of openers that, you know, they're very good with interacting with, you know, fans and everything else like that. I've met Frankie Ballard before. Um, I've talked to James Wesley multiple times on Twitter. And, you know, part of it is you have to have that song that just gets in there and the fan base just blows up from there. I mean, Hunter has crazy fans like just like completely love everything about him. And it takes a special song, a special person to, you know, attract that. I think that's an interesting point because Frankie Ballard, particularly, like, I don't know very many. I didn't know very many of his songs. I can't. I think maybe I saw him. I don't remember, honestly. Um, But, you know, now, three, three, almost four years later, he has a huge song. So I feel like he kind of like Taylor opened the door, opened like the door for him but he didn't go into the door until now. And so now I feel like he, like she helped get his name out there. So like I can be like, oh, yeah, I know Frankie Ballard. He she, he was on tour with Taylor, but now he has a song. And I'm like, oh, I know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Definitely. It, yeah, he's got that song, Hell of a Life, that's always yeah. on yeah, like, the radio. Yeah, country radio loves playing that song. Yeah, they do. But at the same time, I never uh, associate that song with him. And so like – I, I just with these people I can't really see if there is a connection other than Taylor presenting them an opportunity that they have to seize. Yeah. See now there's other openers as well and I, I saved this uh, speak now opener for last because he holds a special place in my heart Charlie Warsham <laughs> who uh, is the inspiration for this conversation because he was here in Vegas Saturday night played a small show that uh Diane and I were fortunate enough to go to and got to talk to him afterwards briefly. And for those who are new listeners on the show, Charlie Warsham was actually our very first interview on episode four. It was right after he had finished opening for Taylor on the Speak Now tour. He came on to Taylor Talk and talked with us about 
you know, what it's like touring with Taylor, the impact she's had on his career and things like that. Um, you know, and if you're interested in listening, of course, we'll link that in the show notes at taylortuck.org slash episode 129. It's definitely worth listening to. Turns out he also likes Harry Potter and Legos. <laughs> so he's a totally cool guy. <laughs> so what's the difference between him and Hunter Hayes, though, in terms of popularity? What's what? Sorry? What's the difference between, like, a Charlie Worsham and a Hunter Hayes, though, in terms of success and popularity? Because Charlie Worsham, for instance, I remember he actually signed up on Taylor Connect and was interacting with the all the people on Taylor Connect asking, you know, he said, I'm open up for Taylor. What songs do you want to hear? Which that I think really was cool. a brilliant thing. That was really cool. But, that but is cool. Steve, that success cool. is not to those levels of Hunter, though. It's not. No. It's not. And it even took... Um, Gosh, it was it was over a year, or roughly a year after opening for Taylor, that he finally got signed to Warner Music Nashville. Uh, so he mm-hmm. was an unsigned artist even for a year after opening for Taylor. And so it's really tough to say because, to be honest, I think what the difference is to answer your question, Steve, is that it's face-to-face interaction versus online interaction. Because I find the effect works on me as well. I am far more loyal to artists I see live definitely and but interact he, with but charlie also in in nashville before the concert even started like when people were coming around to that main area outside of bridgestone he tweeted that he was going to be around and like i met him before the show but that's the thing is he tweets i'm going to be around how many people were following him i mean even now he's up to about forty thousand followers on twitter mm-hmm. uh, i think that's about where he's at and, it, you know, at the time he was opening for Taylor, it was less than 10. True. Well, it, it, but it was a good try, though. Like, it was definitely a step it in the right It was a good direction. try, but it wasn't as unique and interesting and personal as what Hunter did. Like, text okay. me your seat and I'm going to come see you. It's not, mm-hmm. come, it's not come see me because I'm going to be here. It's I'm going to come see you. That's the I difference. See. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting, Steve. Interesting. <laughs> it's all a matter of psychology. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So, I mean, that that pretty much is it for Speak Now Tour. Unless anyone has anything else to say about Need to Breathe, I find it interesting because Need to Breathe was the quote-unquote Ed Sheeran of the Speak Now Tour. That was the act that went through the whole thing, and all these other artists opened before Need to Breathe, who opened before Taylor. And I don't know, that seemed like they passed on a huge opportunity that Taylor yeah, granted them. I was them. just going to say that. Like, I mean, they're still touring, they're still making music, but, you know, if you compare what Ed Sheeran has done to them, it's like night and day. I mean, granted, Ed Sheeran was already huge in England. He had already sold well over a million copies of his album, and he wanted to sell more, so he took, a, took an opportunity with Taylor to go and get that you know market whatever and you know that ended up working really really well for him but I feel like being on Taylor's ticket and being there every single night like they should have gotten so much bigger than they did yes but is it the music though too that's a big I personally did not like need to breathe they were not for me like I I didn't either Sammy I would have rather have seen Hunter Hayes every single night than have seen Need to Breathe. I don't hate Need to Breathe. It just was not my cup of tea at all. They were okay. They were okay. But I think that that's also an interesting point to make that unlike Fearless, Taylor 
in Speak Now and in Red that she wanted to have smaller country acts different every couple shows and then one op- one major opening act that was not country but not pop like both Need to Breathe and Ed Sheeran neither of them have a like specific niche of well actually kind of Sammy I beg to differ Need to Breathe is actually a Christian rock band I've heard that but I their their songs that. absolutely have have religious undertones to them but Taylor handpicked these people too as music that she enjoyed. That's why she yeah. picked Ed. That's why she picked Need to Breathe. Mm-hmm. But maybe the fan base didn't quite enjoy those choices as much as Taylor kind of does. Which is very strange since usually Taylor fans love everything just because Taylor says she loves it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I did because I didn't. Yeah. But let's let's talk about the Red Tour though because I would say the openers on the Red Tour were as close to superstars as any openers on any tour ever. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think that they were the strongest, absolutely. Definitely the strongest lineup. I'm going to admit, personally, I thought Casey James was a weak addition. I was not thrilled with Casey, and it's Some people because, love him. I didn't. Because when the openers were announced, I, I, I knew Florida Georgia Line was going to be there, and I flipped out that they were going to be at my show because I wanted to see them so badly. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really know Brett Eldridge. I had to YouTube him, and I I knew Casey, Casey James, but I knew because of that one song. And he, too, is American Idol alumni. Well, she really likes these country American Idol <laughs> Right, yeah. well, she hang on. So here's up. something interesting then, Sammy, because we're talking about how this was definitely the strongest lineup out of all three tours. This, if you look, with the exception of Brett Eldridge... Um, every opener from the Red Tour had significant followings prior to. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I was going to say was that, I, like I said, I didn't know Brett Eldridge at all. And by the end of the tour, I am a huge Brett fan now. Like, huge. He's like, phenomenal. He's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. He's so good. And he's, we were talking about this earlier, like, he was, he's very kind to his fans. Like, I can tell you a billion stories about him. Um, um, and I just I think that he's he's also his album just recently came out. He's on Warner um, like Taylor's opened a door for him. And I think that he's stepping in it. And I think that it can end up being really, really good for him. Um, Casey James has just kind of disappeared into the night. I don't really know what happened with that. Oh, that <laughs> happens to a lot of American idols. <laughs> yeah. Like just throwing that um, one out there. And I think another interesting conversation we can have is is have or is her having her having Austin Mah- Austin Mahone open for her. Um, he only did the stadium shows, which is kind of weird because he, at the time, like people knew him. He has his fans, but like he was small compared to everybody else. Like Florida Georgia Line had more of a following than Austin Mahone did at that point, and now he is massive. Well, like, he's like un- just another one of those teen boys that gets really famous. Justin like, Bieber yeah, types. He's like yeah, he's definitely Justin a Justin Bieber. Bieber. Like, he has like 4 million followers mm-hmm. on YouTube. Like, he's going on a very, very big world tour. Well, something or, I do also want to note with Austin Mahone, too, is he, we were talking about the doors Taylor opens for her openers and how they have to walk through them. And I think he's one of the people that did that because he has actually discussed in interviews saying that, like, he learned from her and 
things like that. So, so I mean, I think that's also part of the opportunity that a lot of our other artists didn't seize because Taylor puts on such a unique show, and that's something Austin Mahone noted in that interview. He said she puts on a two-hour show. The whole thing is a story, and it keeps people drawn into it so they don't get bored. So he picked up on that because I've been to a lot of concerts of artists that are good artists, but I get bored. Because yeah. because all they do is just sing song after song and they don't engage the audience or whatever. And I feel like maybe that's where um um what's his name the guy that you, James Casey James what what he did wrong because he, I mean from what I remember he didn't really say that much and I couldn't no, understand even what he was singing because he was so close to the mic like yeah. that's where he lost me and and Brett I can say I saw him from like the very very first show. That he was in and I saw his second last show and he grew exponentially in his performance in the the first show he was very you know he was really really far back from the audience he was only in the mic and then by by the time that I saw him the second to last show he was interacting with the audience he was walking down the runway he was high-fiving people like he clearly learned a lot on tour and we actually forgot a person that opened for her during the red to- red tour she also had joel kraus open for her who um i don't know who that yeah is. exactly yeah. <laughs> um so i don't know him so well that, uh, i still don't know well, him. well that's that's the point of uh, sammy that was actually deliberate when i was making a funny there is <laughs> the the differences between certain openers and again going back to that door analogy about her opening the door they have to walk through it type thing and I think that is what differentiates it. I think, like, okay, Ed Sheeran's an exception because Ed Sheeran, interestingly enough, that was a mutu- that was mutually beneficial because yeah. in Europe, Ed was bigger and he actually introduced Taylor to a lot of people in Europe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where here it was the opposite. She introduced Ed to a bunch of people. So I think that's Absolutely. the only exception to the rule across all three tours where someone else actually provided something for Taylor. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I think even Florida Georgia Line, like, they're kind of helping each other out because they're both on Big Machine. And so, like, you know, she is allowing them to go on tour with her and broadening their audience by bringing in people who weren't necessarily country fans. Um, And at the same time, they are showing the country acts that, you know, she still is country whether they want to believe it or not, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, she's got her country roots, I think is yeah. the way to say yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, Florida Georgia Line did have an existing fan base. Although sometimes I wonder, because we all know of Taylor that she is not just an amazing artist, but she's also a very strategic business person. So do you remember all that time um, ago when Taylor tweeted about Florida Georgia yeah, Line? That, yeah, totally as soon as she that. tweeted about it, I said to myself that they were going to open for her and sure enough they did i really uh, think she is smart enough where that was a completely strategic move she oh, absolutely she knew no she's like we got these guys accident. we got these guys on big machine you know i don't even think phenomenal. they were on big machine then i'm not even sure on that really? i don't think they were either i think that they were they were in between that they had had an ep and they weren't signed yet oh. right and that i think that's twe- what it was her tweeting that was kind of like their door to be and that she already knew that Scott wanted to sign them and that it was and that she already knew that she wanted them to open for her. Yeah, right. And, and what's crazy about that, Adam, is before her tweet, they were close to a one to one follower ratio. I mean, yeah, they were following almost everybody back. And then all of a sudden Taylor talked about that. And it was it's perfect timing, too, because, you know, Cruz became such a huge hit. 
Cruz because of Taylor, but it coincided at the same time that Taylor yeah. had helped increase their fan base. That was like the perfect storm. Well, here's yep. something that's interesting, Steve, with Cruz because this actually speaks to Taylor's stature that she has Florida Georgia Line opening for her because Cruz is the number one selling country single of all time. Yep. Whoa. Of all time, all of time? Of all time. Of all time, that all time. <laughs> Actually, it might be digital single. Okay. I take that back. Number one digital single of all time. At this point in country the, in the digital world, single. Really there Nobody it is. buying CDs anyway. <laughs> country digital single. Yeah, exactly. That means a lot considering, like you said, Sammy, people don't buy CDs anymore. Digital mm-hmm. is where it's at. So the fact that Taylor can have someone of that stature opening for her is, is pretty impressive. But, mm-hmm. I mean, can can you honestly say like I love Cruz? I like I'm I was obsessed with that song before Taylor even tweeted about it. But can you honestly say that if Taylor hadn't tweeted about it, that it would have had those sales that it did? That's really hard to say because we can't predict the future. Or no, of course time. not. I but it, it is an interesting thought. I think I it think boosted it. Yeah, yeah, it could not I think hurt it. it. Let's put it that I think way. it was a really good song, and I think that Scott was really smart in having it have that crossover with Nelly, mm-hmm. um, and. I think that it was already a very, very big song, and I think that Taylor helped. Speaking of that, Steve, what was the award show we went to in Nashville? Was that CMT? It was the CMTs. Yeah, CMT Awards. Remember Florida Georgia Line? They did that song with Nelly. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, they, yeah that's, they do awesome. But I have a question They're for great. you, Adam, with, uh, with regards to the whole open, open doors thing that you were mentioning earlier. Do you feel that the – maybe the younger folks actually are the ones that are taking more advantage of that. Like the people that have been in the music industry for a while or, you know, up in age a little bit more like, you know, Brett Eldridge was kind of an exception there where, uh, as Sammy said, he kind of evolved in during his tour dates, but a lot of other people just kind of stuck with the way that they were either used to doing it or, you know, they didn't kind of, look to Taylor and really learn from that like Austin Mahone and Hunter Hayes did, which were both youngsters, if you will. Yeah. Maybe youngsters. it's because the people who are older than Taylor, I mean, I don't know, but maybe perhaps they feel like they can't look up to her because she's younger than them. You know, in some strange way, they think they might know best. Well, beyond that, to answer Steve's question about whether or not it seems like it's more specific to the younger artists, I'd say that has a lot of tie into social media. Yeah, that's because right now that's yeah. that's where artists are made right now at this current point in time. That's where an artist is made is on social media. And if you remember going, gosh, way back over 100 episodes to episode 120 uh, <laughs> or not 120. Sorry, that was nine episodes. Yeah, ago. I was episode say, 20. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what episode are we on now? Episode 20 over 100 episodes ago. <laughs> we had Rick Barker join us on the show who is. Um, Taylor's former manager and he was talking about getting artists going and rolling and the effect of MySpace on Taylor's career when she was a young artist mm-hmm. which now MySpace has turned into Facebook and Twitter um, mm-hmm. you know for the artists I don't mean MySpace itself but you get what I mean right <laughs> yeah right 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 um, and and that I think is where they might differentiate and where Steve you might see some of the younger ones catching on because they're the ones using social media in unique ways because they're the ones that have grown up with it and know how to use it in unique ways Mm, because something else rick said is um i don't remember if he said this in the interview or when we were chatting after or before or whatever the case may be 
But something interesting he said about record labels now is they are looking for artists with established fan bases. They won't sign complete unknowns anymore because they don't want to have to put in the work. They figure there are a ton of beautiful, talented people that already have a following. That's why American Idol people get signed and people from The Voice and things like that is because they have existing fan bases. So it's so easy for the record label to take them and put promotional efforts into them and run, like get them big really quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so, like I was saying with uh, Hunter Hayes, it, I mean, my memory, like I said, is a little bit foggy, whether it was texting or tweeting, but either way, he was using social media in a unique way to meet and engage with his fans and mm-hmm. grow his fan base. I mean, even Hunter at this point is still learning to do that because if you look back at him on at CMA Fest last summer, he was playing out P Field, which is, you know, he was basically the headliner. Um, and he decided that he wanted to play a smaller show and he randomly tweeted that he was going to be doing a show at the Riverfront, which is, you know, for those people that uh, have never gone to CMA Fest, it's a very small venue. It's a couple thousand maybe. Mm-hmm. Um and he just did a random show there because he knew that his followers would go. And at the same time, two years ago, he was doing, um, he played LP Field also. And he, you know, had fan club party or whatever he had. And he tweeted that he was going to be at one of the, um, you know, Main Street venue booths and to go there and get online and get a wristband and, and to meet him. Like, he's still at this level interacting with his fans as if he was you know he only had 10 or twenty thousand followers on twitter and i think that that is gonna help him and i think that kind of also speaks you know and we can get into this conversation for another show but as to why taylor still does club red or tea party whatever you want to call it and as to why you know taylor's all of a sudden started liking fans instagram photos is because she still wants to interact with us as if she is at that, you know, ten to twenty thousand follower level. Well, that's how you the, stay relevant, Sammy. But like, exactly, you, like you exactly. said, it's it's a great discussion for another episode because right now we're kind of, you know, veering away from our main discussion topic, which is of course how Taylor has affected her opening acts. And like, I I, I kind of wanted to create a special section here just for Ed Sheeran alone. Oh, yeah. he definitely deserves his own section. Yes, He's he does. a unique man. Because he is by far the biggest artist that has ever opened for Taylor. Yep. Biggest fan base. And yep. in this sense, I do actually honestly believe that Taylor had a profound effect on that. Absolutely. However, not in the same sense that she affected no. the other artists. Like with the other artists, we were talking about how she opened the door, left it open for them to walk through. No, I with, think that the, diff- the difference between Ed opening for Taylor and say Hunter Hayes opening for Taylor is that Ed already had a huge fan base in England. He did like we said Sammy because I love monitoring numbers and I love numbers I did track this from when Ed Sheeran was announced to be opening for the Red Tour until now he's grown from about 3 million followers on Twitter to 10. Yeah like I mean he went like I was reading an article with him I think it's in the new Rolling Stone article that he was in where he was talking about his new album. Um, 
he, they said, you know, he's a very, as as big as a performer as he is, he's also a very big businessman, which is very similar to Taylor in terms of that they know they want to perform good music, but they also want to be good, good business people. Um, and Ed had a goal of selling two million albums of his first album, and he was stuck at about one and a half million. And then Taylor said, hey, why don't you come on tour with me? And he knew in his head that by going on tour with her, even as a show opener, he knew that he would be able to reach the market that he wasn't reaching and sell those extra million copies, which he did. Well, here's something interesting, Sammy. Is This discussion is about Taylor's influence on her opening artists, but I think what makes Ed's situation very unique is it showcases Taylor's influence on her fans. Mm-hmm. Because Definitely. if Ed Sheeran was not Taylor's best friend, you think it would have had the same impact had he just been an opener for her on tour. Not, Not at, at all. all. No one would no. have cared. Like, when they made the duet, it would have been, like, nothing. It would have been, like, the the last time that she did. Um, With Gary was, Lightbody. Yeah, like, her Except fans Everything are, Has Changed like, is a way better song. Everything <laughs> Has Changed is a way better song, first of all. And second of all, um, you know, she doesn't have the relationship with Gary Lightbody that she does with Ed. And the fans eat it up like it's, like, cake. Oh, yes. Like, they just eat yes. it up. And, like, and every that's... time that they tweet a picture or someone does like hashtags what's it swearing or something yeah like people love the fact that they're friends and that just sort of like feeds off it like off of it well that's the key i wanted to get to with this whole conversation really is taylor's influence on these people all depends on what she's willing to put into it Mm -hmm. yep so with ed she's friends with him and that influences her fans to like him with the others just because she says they're good once or twice and has them open a couple of shows doesn't mean they're going to blow up. Absolutely. Good. And I think that that's <laughs> kind of the same for Florida Georgia line in terms of that, you know, we don't know that they're friends per se, but the fact that they are on big machine makes people like, you know, make their, makes people's ears perk and be like, Oh, Hey, well, if they're good enough to be on Taylor's record label, maybe, I should like them kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing. Well, Big Machine, they remind me of Pixar with movies. Like, they don't strike out. They've got a perfect record. Yeah. They only pick people who are phenomenal. And they also know, like, even if you look at, like, say, like, Danielle Bradbury and Cassidy Pope, like, obviously they are not at Taylor's level. However, I think that Big Machine knows and you can look at Cassidy Pope's, you know, digital sales for her new al- for her first album that just came out. Um, they know that they are at the point where they can build them up to be superstar level like Taylor. Like they don't automate. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Florida Georgia Lines cruise cruise didn't sell five million copies in one day. Like it has been over several years now. Like. You're at, you're absolutely you know what I'm saying though like yeah it takes time right, they can yeah grow. and they know that and they're not like they're not in the business of like being like oh well you're not uh you didn't sell a million co- like two and a half million copies or one and a half million copies of your first album we're gonna drop you they know that it takes time well because Sammy here's the with thing with all the other artists if we're looking even all the way back to Fearless Tour Speak Now Tour whatever people may still come up in ranks because here's the thing. There is no such thing as an overnight success. 
what seems like people come out of nowhere is not people actually coming out of nowhere. It's years of building, and yeah, then they skyrocket. Then they hit the point where they skyrocket, and it looks like it's an overnight success, but there were years in the making to get to that Yeah, point. of course. I mean, like, Taylor's first album sold, what, a couple hundred thousand copies? Fearless sold 500,000 copies, and then Speak Now sold a million, a million copies. Like, obviously that was progression like it wasn't like speak now was her first album that came out and they sold a million copies like right people don't think (laughs) right so overall then opening for taylor is it a good opportunity well obviously i I know that was kind of i shouldn't have even asked that i was just like trying to keep the conversation going and and i was just like you're trying to wrap things up but yeah i mean it's obviously a good opportunity but people just have to seize it seize it exactly and hope that they can be best friends with taylor like ed sheeran is and then you you're really gold (laughs) steve what were you gonna say i know you started to say something uh, pretty much about what what she was saying there or friends like gracie gold right exactly yeah good one (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean overall i definitely think the success of taylor's openers is dependent not just on opening for taylor but also them putting in the effort into their own careers taylor can't do all the work for them so Uh, I think we had a great discussion about all these different openers, though. They have to have a career after they open for Taylor. They can't rely on Taylor alone. Right. And have that big hit song. Right. Uh, Yes and no, Steve. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, go ahead. Who who was successful without a hit song? Well, it depends on your definition of a hit song. Ed Sheeran doesn't have anything like uh, Florida Georgia Line's Cruise. What about eight? A Team was his popular was song, and that was his first single out on the radio, but it wasn't that big, huge hit. It was a pretty big No, but hit, they have though. to have some form of a hit song. Like, I mean, at least somewhere being the digital, you know, the iTunes top 10 for some extended period of time. I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Okay, well, that's fair then. The first, peop- the first few people that we talked about on Speak Now, I don't know that they've ever had a song in the iTunes top 10. Like, right. clear, you know, Frankie Ballard has, Hunter Hayes has. Ed has. <laughs> yeah, Ed, Ed's been on the top ten overall, not even a genre. Yeah, um, I mean his 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 album presale just shot him to the top. Exactly. So I, out yet. I I hope you guys <laughs> had fun in this discussion. I had fun chatting with you guys. I hope everybody out there had fun listening. Of course, if you have feedback, please definitely offer it up. You know, you you know how to reach us, and um, I'll I'll of course go through all the different contact methods at the end of the episode. But we'd love to hear from you guys. Before we wrap up the episode, we do have some mini segments that you guys submitted to. We have You Know Your Swifty When and If Swifties Ruled the World. And we're going to open it up with a voicemail from Andrew. Andrew, take it away, please. You Know Your Swifty When, Taylor tweets about loving Fallout Boy, Paramore, Coldplay, and Ingrid Michaelson. And the first thing you do after receiving the tweet is go to your local Walmart and buy all four of their latest respective albums. That is a really relevant uh, <laughs> submission for this episode, since we were just talking about Taylor's effect on other artists. Uh, I almost feel like that could be a whole nother discussion is yeah, artists that, that didn't be. open for her, but she promotes. That could be a really interesting <laughs> conversation, actually. Yeah, so thanks for that voicemail, Andrew. I'm actually glad we got some voicemails. Woohoo, thanks for the voicemail. We love the voicemails. Um, you know you're a Swifty when you get up and do something while watching the ECMs with your parents and while you're in another room your parents shout Taylor sighting because they saw her in the crowd this actually happened to me it was pretty funny that's really funny it's actually really accurate because I was watching SNL last night 
and I was, you know, Taylor was on. I knew Taylor was going to be on. I was trying to take videos and post them on Instagram, and Instagram was being evil and whatnot. And my mom was texting me. She was like, Ed's on SNL. Do you know that? Are you watching? Taylor's on. Are you watching? Are you watching? And I was Wait, like, Sam, yes, Sammy, did you say who sent that in? Uh, that is from Red T Swift 13 via email. Okay. Thanks for the email. I, I just didn't know if you said it or not. So here's a question remember. for you, Red T Swift 13. Why were you leaving the room when the ACMs were on? Because it was boring. Well, I can answer that. That could be a different conversation. We, didn't we have that conversation last week? Yeah. I think okay, we then. No comment. All righty. Uh, we have two from Mariah via Back email. to back. Woo, woo. <laughs> and uh, they say, you know you're a Swifty when the hardest decision you had to make all week was what Taylor pictured a post for Woman Crush Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, that is a problem. I, mm. di- I didn't even know such a thing existed. Well, yeah, Woman Crush Wednesday, Man Crush Monday, Flashback Friday. Throwback Thursday. Oh, yeah. What's the difference between throwback and flashback? I don't. I think they're the same thing. That's dumb. Different <laughs> days. Same thing, different days. All right. <laughs> one starts one. with an F and the other one's a T. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steve. And then she also says, uh, you know you're Swifty when your friends refer to Taylor as, quote, unquote, your girl when they talk to you. Yep. Yeah. I've heard that no one before. Way. Hey, your yeah, girl Taylor's on TV. Hey, your girl yep. Taylor did this. She did that. You know? <laughs> I've gotten that one. Me really. too. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, this next one is, uh, you know you're a Swifty when you and your best friend use the word grundle to insult people. <laughs> and uh, P.S., we looked up what it actually means, and the stuff is incredibly PG-13. That was right. from Shania via email. Um, yeah, I'm not going to discuss it. Uh, Shania yeah, sent me not. the link. Let's not. Grundle is but, not but a that's, good But that's word. in reference to the uh, ACM the Awards ACM video. N- nomination uh, little clip that Taylor did there. So. I thought uh, Grundle was in a case name of a mythological it. figure. No, it's like, not, Diane. I'll send you what Grundle is later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's it's. Not. Not something we're gonna. Don't go there, show. Adam. Don't do it. I didn't do anything. All right. Next Don't one is it. from Atinarski on Twitter. <laughs> Says, "If Swifties ruled the world, everyone would have an artistic ability." Oh, I wish. I wish I did. Okay. Definitely don't. Not me. Nope. And the last one comes from Rachel via text message. You know you're a Swiftie when people congratulate you on how great Taylor looked at the ACMs. How does that work? Yeah, that's weird. Hey, congrats, <laughs> Diane. Taylor looked awesome at the a- a- ACM. ACM. Yeah, because I totally did her hair and makeup and picked out the outfit. Yeah, that was me. Her $20 million hairstyle? Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> All right, thank you to everyone who sent them in. Keep them coming for future episodes. We'd love to hear from you guys. And uh, definitely send in some more voicemails. That way you can hear your voice right here on Taylor Talk, just like Andrew did. And speaking of the voicemails, we actually have a voicemail from Megan. I didn't really know where to put it, to be honest, in the episode. So I'm just putting it here at the end because she gave a little shout out to her friend who introduced her to Taylor Talk and thanked her. So I just wanted to play it so that way her friend can hear it. Megan. Hi, Taylor Talk. I'm Megan, and I recently started listening to you, to your podcast, and I love it. One of my friend's sister, Allie, told me about this podcast. Hi, Allie. I love Taylor, obviously, and this is a great way for me to stay in the loop. Bye, and P.S. I love Taylor Talk's intro. All right, and that just about does it for this episode. Thank you for the voicemail, Megan. Uh, Thank you to Megan's friend for introducing her to Taylor Talk and listening. And all of you guys out there should go tell your friends, too. Hint, hint. 
Wink, wink. Mm -hmm. If you want. That would be nice. It would be nice of you. So, Uh, This was a fun episode, guys, but it's time to say goodbye. Remember, you can contact us in a variety of ways. You can email us, taylortalk at taylorswift13.org. You can tweet us, Facebook us, or Taylor Connect us, or ask us a question on AskFM, all to the username taylortalk13. If you want to hear your voice on the show, just like Andrew and Megan, you can leave us a voicemail to area code 240-31-SWIFT or voicemail directly on the website taylortalk.org. There's a button on the side. And then just for fun, you can actually also text message us to area code 240-31-SWIFT. So those are the different ways. If you forgot any of them, taylortalk.org slash contact lists them all out for you and you can reach out to us and help contribute to the show and help us make the show even more awesome for you guys so thank you for joining hope you enjoyed listening for episode 129 of taylor talk the taylor swift podcast this has been adam diane sammy and steve hey we got it right that time guys yay Yay. good Good job team high five (laughs) that was just me clapping is that what oh, that I was? thought you were high-fiving Diane. Wouldn't that have no, made sense? No, it would have made sense, but he's not. He's, he's I was going to high-five the microphone, but I figured that would probably I, I a went for it. That, that would have made an it. awful thumping noise, Steve, so that, I'm glad you that, didn't. That might you could always edit people. it out later. I don't edit. Oh. Well, you could Oops. edit in applause. Like, woo. Oh, please do. You want me to put some applause here? Ready? Applause. Take right. it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. See, guys. we have a live audience, and you guys didn't know that. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> bye. bye. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.